solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Friday episode of Locked On Texans. My name is John, some sports guy Hickman. Super excited for today's episode. We will be joined by a family member of the show, Brandon K. Scott. I want to let you guys know about the NFL season. Of course, you want to know what's going on with the Locked On Podcast Network. I will let you know what to do. That is join the Locked On Podcast Network starting August 30th. So we've already got kicked off through September 8th on the Locked On NFL season preview. We're taking you through every team and every division with the help of Odyssey's Ross Tucker. Follow the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in today. Cody Davis, give them the rundown. What's on the menu to take out? Well, John, as you alluded to, we are going to be joined by Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. As Brandon and I, we're going to get his opinion on everything that's going on with the Houston Texans. Um, mainly this week, since this past week, as everyone know by now, this past week was the NFL cutdown day. The Houston Texans have their 53-man roster. And I also want to get his take on nick casario's interview that took place on yesterday and john that is actually what you and i are going to open today's show with um actually a continuation from what we talked about on yesterday because john and listeners um after we heard from nick casario on wednesday we started to get a better sense of direction on what we are expecting from this organization for this upcoming season. And like I mentioned on yesterday, I am a little bit disappointed that it seems like this is going to be a team that has fully committed to a rebuild. I want to bring this question up. It's a question that you and I have talked about a lot here on Locked On Texans. But now, like I mentioned, Nick Casario gave a better sense of the direction that this team is going for this upcoming season. I would like to know, do you think it would be in the Texans' best interest now for them to play Davis Mills for this entire season. And before you answer, I do want to remind you and the listeners of a very important quote that caught the eye of both John and myself. Nick Casario said in his press conference, it is more process-oriented than result-oriented. And when we hear that, John and listeners, we, just like we said on yesterday, we're looking at a situation where the Texans are focused on rebuilding. You're going to use this season as guys that you're going to keep. Ever since OTA's training camp and a couple of the preseason games, I've been on a record saying that Davis Mills, he has the potential. He has the mechanics. He just doesn't have the experience. Do you think it will be in their best interest to play him for this upcoming season? Uh, I don't think it'll be in their best interest to start him week one. Because remember, remember, the only reason why we wanted and we was pulling for Tyrod Taylor is because we thought this team would at least be decent in twenty twenty one. We we thought. I, well, I thought <laughs> this team was going to be decent in twenty twenty one, decent enough to reel off at least five or six wins. Yeah, I, I don't think he should start week one. I don't. Um, I still, I'm, I'm still under the mindset of you have to go and allow Tyrod to lose the job. And it's not like a situation where 
Davis Mills just completely, you know, showed his ass in preseason. Like, wow, this guy really may have something. It's not like one of those situations where he won the job. And it's not like a situation where Tyrod put a statement on, I am the job. Like, I have the job. Um, And so with that being said, I definitely think it would be in Houston's best interest to allow Tyrod to lose the job. Now, if he goes out there week one, week two, and if they're not seeing, because moving forward, the media won't be at practice. So if they're not seeing a difference between a Tyrod offense and the Mills offense, then, yeah, okay, let's, let's, by, by week four or five, you know, let's see what we can do. Maybe throw them in there week three towards the end of the game. If, if the offense is just stagnant, that's fine. And then maybe we make the switch. But you still got to give Taylor an opportunity to lose that job, right? And from what we've seen in Taylor's last couple of stops, it eventually happens, whether it's by a fluke injury done by a medical doctor or was it whether it's by just a team really ready for Baker Mayfield to be the starter and you not doing anything definitive to like create separation between you guys, it eventually happens. And so with us seeing the limited action of Tyrod Taylor through our preseason, we still have to go and judge him based on what he does in the first couple of weeks of the season. That's only fair. And if history repeats itself, then, you know, around week three, four, maybe five, then it may be Mills action unless Houston brings in another quarterback that they feel can compete day one and actually be the starter quarterback if they're not committing to quote unquote, what we, what a lot of people believe the tanking season, the uh, rot for Rattler or, you know, whatever, whatever hashtag you want to come up with to get the next quarterback. If it's not Deshaun Watson, if they don't mean things with him. Right. That's all my opinion is still allow him to lose the job. Hey, you, you know what? We, we, one thing we, we don't know is whether or not it was just a limited action that, we saw him, and maybe he is better than uh, what we saw. I'm not too sure maybe. on that, but maybe he comes out week one. What if he goes out there 220 yards, you know, between 180 to 220, uh, no turnovers. Maybe maybe you live with one interception, knocking off rust, one interception, two TDs, maybe one in the air, one through the ground. Who knows, two, t- two TDs total. I don't think the Texans are going to rely on their passing game for him to do that. Well, I mean, he may <laughs> throughout some he like at some point in that game, he's going to have to throw the ball, mm-hmm. and maybe a receiver makes a guy miss, and you know whatever the case is, maybe it's a beautiful play pass down the field. Who knows? But you know, overall, what if he goes out there and gives you two total TDs, an interception, one hundred and eighty to you know what twenty two hundred twenty yards, one of those Cam Newton type of games where. Is just enough to win the game. Then you, maybe you ride with him Cam next Newton. year, huh? Maybe it is Cam Newton. Maybe it is. We don't <laughs> know. But if he goes out there and give you those type of numbers, between I said one eighty, between one sixty to two twenty, two total turn uh, TDs and one turnover, then you got to go next week with him. And if he does it again, you got to go with him next week. So he's on a. I think it's only fair to put him on a three week in the regular season. Notice, we got three weeks to really see if, if it really makes sense for us to stick it out with you or not. 
Because remember that $12.5 million contract that he signed, a lot of that is based off of incentives. Only 2.5, I think, is guaranteed. I could be, I could be off a couple of numbers, but only a, a small percentage of that, the 2.5 guarantee would be lovely for me right now. But only a small percentage of that is guaranteed. The rest is all incentive-based. And I wouldn't be surprised if Houston looks at those incentives that they put in that contract and you know, kind of jeopardize him making that two the 12.5. Like, you know, we're, we're gonna pull you a couple of games so you don't reset the center, so we don't have to pay you that this year. I will say this: if I'm Davis Mills, I'm licking at the chops right now. I'm thinking to myself, I got a real shot to be uh the starter for this team at some point. So I got to get ready. I got to get prepared. I got to go through my reads at practice. I got to go through my reads whenever I get the opportunity to play with first team. I got to learn. I got to, I got to, you know, Davis Mills is in a position where you throw on that Rocky theme music and you do what you got to do. Do you know that Bill Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Bill Bar fan, they're passionate about their faves. If you don't know about the Bill Bar flavors, ladies and gentlemen, well, you're missing out. Coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry. Oh, my gosh, I can keep going. Cookies and cream. There is something for everyone. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are the Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy, too. Seven to 18 grams of protein, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Bill Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to Bill.com, use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code Locked On for 15% off at Bill.com. Welcome back in, Texans fans. And, of course, today is Friday, which means we have our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, what's going on, my man, and welcome back. Uh, man, I appreciate y'all for having me, as always. You know, same old, same old, trying to get ready for the season. Sundays feel right when there's football, when I'm working, you know, whether I'm working the, the, the game or if I'm just at the house chilling, watching the game, uh, you know, football Sunday is better than a non-football Sunday. So, so I'm glad for that. And with this 2021 season getting kicked off earlier this week on Tuesday, as a matter of fact, the Houston Texans made their 53-man roster and Brandon it was shocking to say the least by some of the players that they let go. Um, Brandon, what were some of your initial thoughts when you heard the Texans 53-man roster, especially the players that they released? I'll be honest with you, man. The players that they had to begin with, there was there's not a player on the team or who was in camp who I thought was above being released. Really? And so, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, based off of the type of – I mean – Unless you talk about the ones who are on the team, like like guys like Brandon Cooks and Laramie Tunsil and Justin Reed, guys like that obviously weren't going to get released. But when we're talking about the fringe guys on the roster, like it's a bad roster. You know, it's not a good – it's not really a good team. So, I mean, the whole idea of the competition was kind of just throwing something at the wall and seeing what's, what was sick, and, and this is what you got. So, I mean, what you have was just a bunch of guys, to me, who were trying to make a team one way or the other. And you look at the guys who got released, most of the people who got picked up, who got claimed on, claimed on waivers, are on somebody's practice squad anyway. So there, there was not a player really who was in danger of being released to me who was above getting released. 
So in that sense, I wasn't surprised by any particular one player. Now, as it pertains to the team itself and, like, just the construction of the roster, I am, like most people, surprised that Kiki QT was released simply because I didn't think they had a whole bunch of receivers who were better than him. And on top of that, I figured that the slot, the slot receiver position would be an important one for an offense like this one that we don't expect to be able to push the ball downfield very much. So, so in that regard, it did surprise me that a viable slot receiver like Kiki QT was not kept on the team or retained on the team given the way I thought that they wanted to play. But I, I felt like the move to trade for Lamar Miller gave us a little insight into how they viewed the slot position or the, or the idea that maybe they wanted to upgrade or go in a different direction. I think that Kiki QT is one of the guys who Nick Casario was probably talking about when he said there were eight to ten guys the other day when he mentioned there were probably eight to ten guys who didn't make the team who could have made the team, I think Kiki is definitely one of those guys. And so if, if there is a surprise, it would be that Kiki didn't make it, and obviously that they went with five running backs, none of which we are 100% positive are good. So, so that's the biggest surprise. But they, didn't, they didn't have any players where it's like, how could you cut this guy? Well, they, they don't have any players like that, you know, beyond the ones that were obviously going to make the team. I get it that they did not have players like that, but I would say the release of Kiki QT did shock me the most because, yes, Anthony Miller was a guy that they traded for, and I thought that, you know, that last slot receiver was going to come down between um, Miller and QT, and with Miller being injured, and, you know, every time we ask, every single week, almost every single day, they keep saying that he's going to be back, but nobody knows when. I, I thought at least QT would have stayed around for the lo longest, but Brandon, what is your take on the Texans keeping five running backs, and not just that, five wide receivers, which going into this first game they're actually going to have four wide receivers because as i just mentioned um anthony miller isn't going to be ready for the texan season opener against the jacksonville jaguars well i think that's the part that's more interesting you know not as much just who they released but who they kept and the the construction of that the five running backs to me is more surprising than just in a vacuum kiki qt being let go. Now, when you take them together, that makes it all the more shocking because they seem very thin at wide receiver and a little too heavy at running back. I mean, honestly, the most shocking part about it, or more shocking to me than Kiki QC being released, is Rex Burkhead making the team. I don't, I don't get the Rex Burkhead thing. Like, and there's no disrespect to Rex Burkhead, who's had a decent career, a nice career with the Patriots, but. If you're going to keep David Johnson, like, I don't understand having David Johnson and Rex Burkhead. It's like, it's, it's one or the other for me. And the financial implications of David Johnson and the guaranteed money is the reason why that makes sense to go that route. And so you part ways with Rex Burkhead in my mind. But, yeah, I, I'm surprised by that five running backs. Hey, you don't have to ask me. Ask Jaleel Johnson, the defensive lineman who was let go by the Texans, who just tweeted a little bit before we started recording that five running backs is wild. A 
five running backs is crazy or something to that effect with an LOL. I mean, this is a guy who was let go who could have provided some depth for you on the defensive line, and he's looking over there at the running back position, and it's five of them, and it just doesn't really make sense. So that, to me, is a lot more shocking. And, again, the Rex Burkhead thing, not that he can't help you, I just don't quite get it when you look at the numbers game. They kept Scotty Phillips, Scotty Phillips, undrafted last year on the 53-man roster. Why you would have him, Rex Burkhead, and David Johnson, assuming that Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay are going to be your top two backs, I just don't understand it. Yeah, I don't think nobody understands that. Um, Brandon, really quick before moving on, I do want to get your thoughts. Last week, you and I was talking. We even talked about it on the show. You said that you can definitely see the Texans moving on from either David Johnson, Whitney Merciless, or Shaq Lawson. And they ended up trading Shaq Lawson, I think, the very next day. What's your thoughts on Shaq Lawson being moved to the New York Jets? Yeah, I thought it made sense for the Texans considering that they, you know, it's clearly they didn't think like he he stood out during camp or in the preseason. I think that was sort of a consensus for the observers, all of us who were watching, kind of waiting for for Shaq Lawson to to flash and and to show something, and he never really did that. So that was the reason why I thought that, you know, that was in play and just, you know, make a lot more sense to try to get something in return. I know a lot of people – reacted negatively towards the trade because of the financial implications, because of the dead money that's carried over in 2022, uh, the, the salary, the contract restructure that they did after they traded for Shaq Lawson. But I wasn't surprised by the move at all, and I also don't have a problem with what they tried to do. My biggest problem with the Shaq Lawson trade or experiment or however you want to think of it and characterize it is Shaq Lawson himself, you know, for not coming in and being the player that so many of us anticipated that he would be. Like, I know when they made that move, we thought, oh, this is great. Mm -hmm. You're bringing in a guy, you're getting rid of a guy who doesn't fit your scheme, doesn't fit your your new system, who you might have, were going to cut anyway, to bring in a guy who could very well possibly be one of your top, if not your top pass rushers, one of your top two or three pass rushers. You know, I figured he and Charles Aminahue and Jordan Jenkins and, and of course, Jacob Martin, I I felt like that was a nice rotation of edge guys if, you know, if it could work out. And it it just didn't, you know. So I don't have a problem with how, you know, how, like, the process played out. Um, It just did not work out. And, you know, I, I, I can live with that if I can see the logic in the move. The logic in the move is, hey, Shaq Lawson is going to come in here and contribute. He might even be a guy that we have, the, you know, the next year. And who knows if, you know, if he can have a bounce back year after a down year in Miami, you know, go back to his form in Buffalo. That just didn't happen. So, uh, like I said, we didn't see it in camp. We didn't see it in the preseason. So, they cut ties. It made sense to me. It's that time of year again. And I know you Texan fans don't want to get ready for it, but all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on a gridiron to start the football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL maker contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now. At Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up 
today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of the opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All righty, Texans fans. Before we close out this latest installment of Locked On Texans, once again, today is Friday, which means we have in the studio with us Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, the season is about to start. We know who the Texans are rolling with with their 50, well, I'm going to just say 52-man roster because one of those spots is being taken, and we know he's not going to see the field this year. But... <laughs> After seeing the Texans every day, like me, doing OTAs, doing training camp, the three preseason games, heading into this season, have your outlook, have your projections for the 2021 Houston Texans change? Not even a little bit. I think that in the when the when the when the schedule was first released back in May, my prediction was that. This team would win four games the same way that they did last year. I looked down up up and down at the schedule and decided this is a four-win team, maybe a five-win team if the Titans towards the end of the season aren't playing for anything. The Titans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the season, if they're not playing for anything, if they've already secured a spot in the postseason. They oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about that very last game. If it doesn't mean anything, mm-hmm. that could be their fifth win. I've got them beating. Let's see. I got them winning the season opener. Mm-hmm. I got them beating. I've got them beating the Carolina Panthers. I think I got them beating the New England Patriots. I want to say I had them beating the Jets, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so those those are the, the winnable games that I that I have for them. And I still feel the same way. I'll tell you this, though, what, what preseason did for me, and especially, especially the games. I, I would say even practice, too, but especially the games. What it did for me really is crystallize how bad this offense is going to be at pushing the ball downfield. At downfield throws, it's going to be a lot of dink and dunk, and I don't even know how good they're going to be at that. But it is just not going to be an exciting offense to watch making big plays downfield. Obviously, I hope I'm wrong on that. I would love to eat crow. I'd love to be dead wrong on that. But that is what I've seen from watching Tyrod Taylor at quarterback as QB1. Davis Mills as the backup doesn't provide a lot of confidence for me. Mm-hmm. Even though at times he's looked a lot better than what I even expected. But he also clearly has a long way to go before he's what we might consider NFL ready. So my expectation from a win-loss standpoint is the same. I think it's important what Nick Casario mentioned. It sounds maybe like a little cliche or lip service, but he talked about the expectation of this season being more process-oriented as opposed to results-oriented. So that to me tells, like, basically tells me that they understand that this team probably won't be very good. 
culture. They want to develop good habits and patterns and things of that nature. So I think they can still do that. But as far as the watchability of the team and how good they can be, I think the offense is going to be really, really difficult to watch. It's going to be really, really hard to watch. I think they're going to struggle to push the ball downfield. And I can't see them winning more than five games. I've picked them to win four. If they win more than five, I think I think there's no way, no other way to look at it than that being a successful season. I don't root for teams to lose. I'm not, or you know, the, the teams that I root for, I don't root for them to lose to get a higher draft pick. That's not fun to me. You deal with the draft after the fact. You you enjoy the games in the moment. So in the moment, I'd like for them to be a lot better. I just don't see it. Um, Brandon, I gotta ask you this question before we close out the show. Do you think if the situation presents itself, do you think the Texans should go out and sign Cam Newton? Yeah, so I don't I don't see the downside of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I you know, it, it, when you look at all of the swings that they've taken you know, incremental and honestly if we're if we're real about it, signing Cam Newton at this point in his career is kind of an incremental move. Like he's famous. He's a former MVP. He's one of my favorite college players of all. Like that that season at Auburn is one of my favorite. <laughs> I think we can all favorite. agree on like, that. Yeah, man. Like I, I I love Cam Newton. I'm a big fan. Now I don't think he has a lot left. And hey, but I would be interested to see it. I do think that there is a possibility that he he right now is still better than what they have in the QB room. I like I, I think that would be foolish not to look at it. And I would be shocked if they haven't looked into it. Now, the issue with Cam, of course, aside from performance and, and perhaps not having much left, is this whole element of not being vaccinated. His availability will be in question. Um, like any player who's not vaccinated is risky to you, not just his own availability, but how that impacts the players around him. Like it, it's just at this point, given how the rules are situated, it's irresponsible, no matter what you're belief is on the vaccine, what your politics are, or any of that. I'm not speaking to that or judging anybody for that. But when you just look at the rules and, and logic, it makes sense to, to, to do this if you want to play. Um, now, Cam also has an issue from, from, if you believe the report, Cam also has an issue about being a backup and wants to start. I think he would start here. I think he would be the best guy or the best quarterback here. But if for some reason the Texans didn't agree with that and they asked him to be the, the backup quarterback or if he didn't, you know, start over Tyrod Taylor, what kind of issue would that be for Cam? Would he be able to deal with that, you know? And, and you know, there is a, there's an idea that your backup quarterback can't be a celebrity or can't be more popular or more well-known than your starter. So if your starter was Deshaun Watson, which obviously it is not, then maybe, maybe that could work. But if it's Tyrod Taylor, God forbid, if it's Davis, you know, if it's any of the guys that we think are actual, you know, viable options for the Texans this year at quarterback, I don't know if Cam is willing to play behind those guys. And what troubles me is that I think he's better than them. I think he's better than them. But I'm not sure, man, at this point. I'm, I'm not sure how much Cam has left. So between the performance and the reluctance to get the vaccine, I just don't know how reliable he is at this point. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on social media? 
Man, y'all follow me on Twitter at Brandon K. Scott. Y'all can get with me on Instagram at B. Scott from Hiram Clark. And, of course, check out the B Block podcast. Also, if y'all listening to the radio on Saturday, y'all check out Sports Radio 610. I'm going to be doing a show with Adam Spillane and Tyler Milner on Sports Radio 610 from 3 to 6. That's leading up to the Texas kickoff between U of H and Texas Tech at NRG Stadium. If you're either going to the game or plan on watching it, you know, you can get primed up from 3 to 6 on Saturday um, by checking me out with Adam Spillane and Tyler Milner on Sports Radio 610. So a lot of ways to get at me. I'm Cody Davis, and this has been another installment of Locked On Texas. As always, please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.